The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, ACB community. You are tuned to Home, Garden, and Agriculture. This is a call that comes to you on the second Saturday of each month. I am one of the co-hosts, Marge, and Deborah is uh, facilitating with me as well. We have a special guest today, Nella, who Deborah will introduce. I've been waiting for this one all month long. But first, Deborah, what's going on in your snowy part of the world in your garden? Well, surprisingly, my I went out there today, and I know I said this last month, but I'm very shocked. My pansy, I have six pansies in my green stock, and it has been in the teens. It's been snowing. It's cold. And my pansies are blooming. Not a lot of blooms, only a couple, but I'm shocked they're alive, let alone blooming. And I still have pat soy. I'm not harvesting it because it's pretty small. It's not growing because the days are so short and cold. But um, I have some mizuna that's kind of hanging on there, but not looking the best. And I have some um, chard that's looking, it's still alive and looking pretty good. So I'm I'm happy. And I have some more things I'll talk about next month when we do our call on indoor or outdoor fragrant gardening. So what is going on in your garden, Marge? Well, I'm in a different part of the world from you, as uh, folks may know who've tuned into this program before. I am in a subtropical uh, area, it's coastal Georgia, and uh, we are harvesting everything. Uh, there's certainly some challenge with insects, and chard is my very favorite vegetable. So, of course, that's the one that the insects are picking on. But other than that, unbelievably, I'm still harvesting some green beans from my fall crop. Um, I don't know. Oh my gosh! I don't know quite why. I know I've never seen this in my life, Um, but they just are hanging on. So we'll leave them there until they're done, and then something else will go in. So it's a year-round thing for me, and for the most part, it's a. a really wonderful time to to garden in my part of the world. Other than that, the days get too short and things things do um, come to a halt to some extent uh, in terms of growing. But some things don't halt, and uh, it's interesting to see what uh, what does happen with these very short days as we head toward the solstice. So next month we'll so, so be back when the have- days are longer. Yeah. You must still have pollinators too. Yeah, they're around. Green beans. They're, there's, I know yeah. they're slower, but uh, they're moving around. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. How are your fruit trees doing? Well, we have some challenges, but uh, 
we're we're starting to harvest and uh, we do sales over holiday time so that's going to start up pretty soon i'm a little worried about our the fruit quality on some of the the challenged trees haven't quite figured out what is all going on with that but uh, my Hamlin Orange won third prize in its sweet orange category at the Southeastern Citrus Expo in November. So I'm always happy when I win on something. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, great fun. It's, yeah, that, that is. Wow, that's, that's great. So uh, you are up and running in your garden, and I'm happy to have any kind of green at all. so that's great well and many folks just appreciate being able to to uh, find time to do other things right now which certainly our special guest um, has had had to find time to do yes and and I'm very happy to bring Nella back Um, we both are and Nella has been gracious about sharing about her homestead with us in the past and the last time I believe the last time you were with us Nella you were telling us about the big move and um, kind of telling us a little bit about settling in you have a five acre homestead you have goats and a horse and uh, assorted small animals Uh, you garden and you uh, are very active in, in using what you produce. So, Nella, thank you for coming back. And and why don't you tell folks a little bit about your homestead? And, hey. um, and then we'll go into our topic. Okay. Hi. Good to be here. I'm so envious of Marge being able to grow citrus like that. I'm just so jealous. Um, so I have a five and a half acre homestead. Um, I've been here about a year, so I, I feel like things are still very much in the growing stage. Um, not a very successful garden. I'm working on more raised beds so I can plant more things, um, in the spring. Um, I don't really have winter stuff. You know, I have herbs and stuff that I've kind of put to bed for the winter, um, but not, I don't really have anything going on right now. And so, um, yeah, that's about all a lot of fencing. <laughs> that's kind of what I, I feel like I spent a lot of time on this past year is getting fences in place and them being good enough to hold goats. I have a small herd of dairy goats and goats are very, you know, they're, they're escape artists. And if they're, is a way to get out of the fence, they will find it. So I feel like I have spent a great deal of time outsmarting goats. And so that's and kind of all that's going on here. And how many goats do you have? I have six. I had, um, I had eight and I, my herd is getting older and I, I'm not like a good farmer because I, I'm just kind of letting some of these girls, you know, these girls finish their lives. So I, the last year I've lost two of my oldest goats. I mean, goats live, they live 10 to 12 years and one Mm. of them was 13 and one of them was um, 11 that, that passed. So I still have another 11 year old out there and then my, the rest of them are quite a bit younger. So 
So that's so quite a range of ages there. Yeah. And yeah. they're all related. All of my guts are related. You know, I have like the grandmother and the mom and the granddaughter and all that. So they're all related to each other. Okay. So um, you are going to talk to us today about baking cheese and using milk. So tell us a, a bit about what you, what you do with your goat milk. So a variety of things. I, of course, I've just, you know, use it just in cooking, um, you know, drinking if you drink milk or, um, and then I have made different cheeses. I've done yogurts, I've done kefirs, and I also um, make goat milk soaps. And I've attempted butter, but you don't get a lot of cream from the goat milk. So I got a very, um, very, very small amount of butter. It was quite tasty, but you know, it was kind of a lot of work for this very small amount of butter that I got. Um, they do make cream separators for the goat milk. And I have just not, I, I just don't know how much more cream I would get. I let it sit till the cream comes to the top and then I skim it off and that, that's how I collect the cream. So I, I don't know you know, how much more I would get by using the actual cream separator that, you know, it's a mechanical type thing, you know, to just, would it be enough to justify the purchase? Um, but the, the goat milk is more naturally homogenized. The particles are smaller. So if you milk a cow and let, uh, you know, and some breeds are going to get more cream than others, but if you let cow milk sit, the, cream will rise to the top and you might have, you know, quite a bit of cream that you can skim off and then make butter and whipped cream and that type of thing with, and you won't get anywhere near that amount with the goat milk. So I, I know we kind of, we're talking about cheese, but could you tell us how you as a, as a person who's blind, tell us how you make yogurt and, and what, uh, equipment you use to make yogurt. I have to confess, this is something I have tried in the past because I can purchase um, goat milk. Uh, it's raw goat milk where I live. And I, I did attempt making yogurt and it was a terrible failure. So <laughs> I am curious to know, how do you so, make um, yogurt? I, I think for cheese baking, yogurt, heifers, any of those, you need a good thermometer because a lot of it is heat sensitive. Um, and I've done it a couple ways. You know, I get the thermometer. You're supposed to bring the milk to 185 degrees, then let it cool down to about 110, 112, and then you could add your culture. And some people use, like if you buy a good yogurt with active enzymes in it, some people use that. And I have done it, but I don't think my yogurt gets as thick as when I buy like the powdered culture that then I stir into the milk when it's, like 110, 112 degrees. Then you need to keep it about that temperature. I have an actual yogurt maker that I pour it into and then it holds it at that temperature. 
and the longer you leave it in there, the like the more tart it will get. It sometimes get a little thicker. I have heard of people adding gelatin, like just you know plain gelatin to get it a little thicker, or also adding um, non-fat dry milk, which I don't do because you know one of the reasons I'm doing this is to try to have a really you know pure. Um, product without preservatives, that type of thing. So I don't do that, but you can get thicker um, yogurts by doing that. And um, if you don't, go ahead. Oh, I I will say that part of my problem with making yogurt was that it came out pretty runny. So um, I know I must've had a temperature issue and the other part that was challenging was I was using an audible thermometer and I kept, I don't know if it was just too cheap a thermometer, but it just kept jumping all over the place so giving I, me different readings. Yeah. I find you need to hold it in there for, I don't know, like 10 seconds or something before you get the reading to, for it to be more accurate. Mm-hmm. So, and then you want to be careful that you don't touch the bottom of your kettle with it. Cause that's going to skew your reading as well. So you want to like, I try to hold it in the center, you know, uh, um, you know, so it's not touching the bottom and then I hold it in there for, I don't know, a good 10 seconds maybe before I ask, you know, before I press the button to get what my temperature is to me that I found it's most consistent when I do it that way. If I just put it in and ask for the temperature, it's going to tell me something totally different than if I hold it in there a few seconds and then ask it again. That explains what I did incorrectly. Thank you. I might give that another shot. You can uh, also, yeah. Another thing you can do, and you'll you'll end up, you know, with a much smaller amount, but you can um, pour your yogurt through a cheesecloth, like, you know, line a colander, and you can get like a really thick yogurt or, you know, and some people do like spreads and herbs and that type of thing. And you can do a spread with that, but you, you can make a much thicker yogurt that way. If you don't have a yogurt maker, um, oh, I've like wrapped, I've done it like an insulated thermos before to try to keep the temperature. I've wrapped pods like in towels and set them in the oven. Um, so there, there are ways you can kind of keep that temperature up, but I think having the yogurt maker really made a difference because it keeps that consistent temperature for hours. I think the other approaches are just too undependable and that a yogurt maker, if you, um, want to do this, even just from time to time, a yogurt maker is still so much better because you, you just have that consistency and I don't know what ones are available now but it's worth looking into if you're considering um, trying yogurt or you haven't done it in a while which is my situation they're, they're really the best some of your instapots even have a yogurt feature. oh that's true that's so true sometimes I have a separate one because I happen to like find it at a rummage cell for very good deals so but a lot of the instapots and I think even some bread machines like the higher end bread machines have a yogurt feature so um you may not have to have a separate piece of equipment yep. good them. point so and I'm so all about do you have to go ahead 
Do you have to use raw milk to make yogurt, or can you make um, yogurt with pasteurized can... milk? Um, so my understanding is that pasteurized milk, there's like a, I guess some milks are pasteurized at a lower temperature, and some are pasteurized at a higher temperature. And I think it says on the carton and with cheeses, yogurts, you usually have better success with the low, if they've been pasteurized at a lower temperature. And what would be considered a lower temperature? I don't know. I know if you pasteurize milk on your stove and when I first started milking my goats, I pasteurized all of the milk. You get it to 165, you hold it for 30 seconds and then turn it off. And um, you can do it like in a double boiler if you're concerned about scorching. If you're really concerned about germs and all that, which I, I'm no longer worried about that, but you don't want to like, um, like if you use something to stir, you want to leave it in there because like, let's say you stir it when you first put it in and then you put that back in, you know, there, if there's any contaminants, um, then you could contaminate. I, I at first stir, uh, um, pasteurized all of mine on the stove. And then one day I didn't have any milk pasteurized. And I, anyway, I realized it tasted so much better that to me, it tasted so much better that I have never pasteurized it since. Um, now with the yogurt, the recipes I use say to bring it to 185. So you are pasteurizing it basically with that process. And then your, um, I think also it helps, um, you know, some steam escape. So you're probably losing a little bit of water there, which might help make your yogurt a little um, thicker. You can, and if you do ever have goats or cows and you're, you know, concerned about the pasteurization, you can buy pasteurizing machines, you know, for home use to put the milk in and then it gets it at the appropriate temperature and stops. So but people can can buy, they can purchase milk from the store raw or pasteurized and make yogurt at home. That's yes. A doable thing for anyone. Okay. Yeah. And and Nella and Marge, what do you think about seeing if we have anyone who wants to join in the conversation? Any questions at this point before we move on? Would that be okay? Yeah, for sure. Okay, Nella, are you good with that? Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, so, Sandra, do we have any hands raised? If anyone has experience with... Um, making yogurt, or if you have any questions for, for Nella, please raise your hand. We'd love to hear from you. So Sandra, do we have anyone who wants to join in? Uh, we do not at this time. Okay. If we do, just- oh, We just, we just anyone... got one. We just got okay. one. Okay. Okay. Um, let me make sure I pronounce her name right. Is it, uh, it starts with an M. Can you pronounce your name for me? Musi. Okay, that's what I thought, but I didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> Listen, I, I wish you would tell me a good yogurt maker, but I have it almost perfected with 185 down to 115, and then a heating pad is 110. 
And so I just oh. put it on the heating pad with a towel around it. And I've been making yogurt because, um, you know, it's just so much easier. But I can't, I really want a yogurt maker. But the, the 110 is a heating pad on high. That's really good to know. I did not know that. So that, that yeah. could be something oh. you might already have in your home. Right. And the other thing about the audio, audible thermometer, I actually kind of stir it with the tip, you know, to, mm-hmm. and then, and I might take the temperature at a couple of places, but yeah, that's right. the secret. 185 yeah. and it has to cool down to 115. Thank you. This is great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Those are great tips. Thank you. All I wish right. I had some goats too. <laughs> Yeah, so do I. Yeah, we all have to go visit Nella, I think, and have some goat time. You have no right. other at this time. All right. So, Nella, you do more than yogurt. Tell us a bit about your favorite cheese to make. Stab is my favorite, I think, because it's easy. And I buy cultures and you can probably find them on Amazon and other places. I buy from a company called Caprine Supply and I buy my different, my yogurt culture there, my cheese culture, different cheese cultures. Um, But it's really simple. You just, I bring a gallon of milk to 86 degrees. I hydrate my culture in a little of that milk for like two minutes, stir that up and then stir it into my big pot. I put the lid on, I go away for 12 hours and it's just, you know, sitting on my counter. And then when I come back, it has, it's usually kind of one giant curd, you know, it's kind of, you'll have the, oh, it's, I don't know what the consistency would be, but it's, you know, you'll have the whey separated out. And so then I line a large colander with um, unbleached muslin, like the um, butter cloth. I pour that through and and um, you can save the whey. Some people cook with it. If you have chickens, they will sometimes drink it. Um, if, you have a, if you happen to have pigs, of course, they will eat it. Um, and could you describe the difference between curds and whey? Because maybe some people okay. have yeah, never so, seen that. So the curds are kind of semi-solid and they're not real hard. I was trying to maybe like cream cheese consistency. And then you have um, the whey, which is the liquid. So the fat, the higher fat content your milk, the more cheese, more yield you'll get per gallon. So, um, I would say roughly when I first started doing this, I used to weigh things that I was just, you know, really curious. And I want to say for like a gallon of milk, I would get, I don't know, maybe three pounds of cheese at the most, sometimes less. Um, so once you, and there's some variations here once, so once I pour it through and if I'm saving the way I just set my colander, you know, over a big pot, I have several stock pots, which I use when I'm making cheese. And then, you know, that way is dripping down into the stock pot. If I don't want it, I just set the colander in my sink and let it go down the drain. Um, and then I kind of, I take that, um, 
cloth, my, my butter muslin, bring it up and tie it. So I'm kind of making a sack and I might even kind of gently kind of pat it and squish out some of the extra way. And you can let it sit there. You can also hang it um, if you have like a place to hang it and then where it can drip into a container or sink or something. Um, and you want to four or more hours. So the drier your climate, because when I first started doing this, I lived in Arizona. It didn't take very long for most of the liquid to get out of my cheese. I'm in Missouri now, so it takes a little longer. Um, and so if you want a softer cheese, you don't, you know, you wouldn't hang it quite as long. If you want a drier cheese, you might hang it a little longer. I like, I don't know, like maybe a cream cheese consistency or a little bit more. This, this is the chef. It's a soft cheese. And then I take it and um, when I take it out of the cloth and put it in a bowl, I add some salt. And chef is a pretty you know, plain cheese. So you can add herbs. I've done gar, I've done like onion and chive, garlic. I buy a blend herbs Provence that I put in there. I've done like honey and toasted pecans. Um, I've done, you know, fruit flavors. So it's just a fun cheese because you can make almost any flavor in it, you know, and it comes out like a spread really good with crackers. I'm really good on like a bet, you know, slices of baguette, you know, I'll use it, you know, basic, I use it a lot in place of a cream cheese, depending on what flavor I've made. So well, and, and you said you get, you get three pounds from a gallon of milk and considering how expensive. Yeah. That's, that, on the that's a pretty good end. deal. Yeah, so that's kind of on the uh -huh. high end. I have gotten less depending on the goat. And, you know, of course, like the more they drink, the, the you know, the less fat content in their milk, the less. Um, and also like how if I want it drier, because I have to let it hang a lot longer. So it's more crumbly. So I could say put it on salads and stuff like that. So then you'll get a little less yield because you're, you know, you're getting rid of more of the moisture. Okay. Yeah, and could you also do that? Huh? Oh, I just ahead. wanted to ask, um, Nella, once you once you have your chef made, how long does it last? Not that it would last very long around my house, but how long can you keep it? I would say a couple of weeks, maybe. Mm. Um, I would say maybe a couple of weeks. Wow. In the refrigerator. I think I've had it a little bit longer and it still smelled okay and tasted okay. So I used it anyway. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's, I haven't done like any aged cheeses cause I, I don't have a good place to age it. I don't have a good temperature control space, all of that. So, uh, all of the cheeses I do are like, you know, what I think of as quick, soft cheeses. I've done ricottas, mozzarellas, um, like a creme fraiche I've done with cow's milk, you know, that had a much higher fat content. And that's like a really fun one to bake with and stuff because it's like a cream cheese. But, you know, these are just so easy because I said, I just add the culture, um, you know, get it to 86 degrees, add the culture, let it set for 12 hours. And then you do the, the drain it and then you yeah, add the stuff. And, yeah, and, and uh, considering seriously how expensive, especially goat cheese, can be, that 
that would be economical, I believe, to buy the milk and and make it. I I don't know how much the culture costs, but it it sounds like it may be a good way to save some money and get some fresh cheese that you'll know exactly what's in it and how it was made. Tell us how you make the mozzarella. That's one of my favorites, and it's very expensive as a go. I'll try to remember exactly. Mozzarella is fast, but it has a lot of steps, and as one of those, like I have to like really focus and pay attention. So I don't know if I can remember the step by step. I have a couple of recipes that I look at, and there are some really good, um, a couple of good videos on YouTube of people walking you through mozzarella. You can put in. Well, before I came on the call, I just out of curiosity, did some Google searches and there's a lot of recipes out there. So there's, there's a lot of good accessible information. So mozzarella uses, um, citric acid and rennet. You need rennet for that one. And I remember you mix your citric acid with a little bit of water, you rinse it with a little bit of water. And I don't remember the exact, um, amounts right now. And we have a gallon of milk. I'm trying to remember what, I can't remember what temp you get it to. And you add those things and then you heat it, heat, heat it up pretty again. And, you know, the start curds start forming and, and you don't let it sit long. Like you can have all of this done like an hour, hour and a half. But like mm. so you have to babysit it. You can't, I, I don't make it as often because it's like, I have to be right there like doing the steps as it happened, you know? Um, okay. You can't so, walk away from it. Yeah, like not very, no. so yeah. you, have to, you have to closely monitor the tents. And then once you get the courage, you cut, you take a knife, like a long knife and just, you know, go through your pot and try to cut it in cubes as best you can. And then you dip out the curd and I've seen it done different ways. My recipe, like you actually pull, um, one of the recipes I have, you put it in a microwave, but then you take it out and plunge it in. Oh, you, no, you put it in the microwave, you take it out and stretch it, and it starts to get pretty hot. So you need to probably, I usually wear like gloves, um, you know, like some kitchen gloves, or I have a lot of um, like medical gloves that I use in the kitchen for soap making and stuff, like lots of hot peppers. So, um, so you put it in the microwave for so many minutes and then you kind of knead it like bread. And as you keep, and then you do it again, take it out and knead it. And it starts getting like stretchy. And then at the very end, you put it in ice water. And um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little vague because I have a couple different recipes and they're not exactly the same. But that, um, that's okay. It, it sounds like it's a quite a process it's it's fast like it's just that you have to like do and a couple times I've done it a little wrong like the wrong step is still turned out okay but um but it is very doable and that is one that you definitely when you make it you want to use a milk that is has not been pasteurized at really high temps because my understanding is you won't get good curds that way mm. uh, and you know and, and I have never done these with purchased milk I have done these with raw goat's milk or cow milk so um, okay but yeah I mean it, the mozzarella is very doable it is very yummy and um so that that is like a good win to do um 
you could do a really simple cheese. It comes out kind of the texture of a ricotta where you just take like a gallon of milk, bring it to 195 degrees. You add a quarter cup of um, vinegar and you it'll um, start forming the curds. And it's, again, it's one where you um, take the, the knife and start cutting through because it, it's going to do the same thing as the mozzarella and make it kind of a big block. And then um, you, you know, drain it and all of that. So, and it's a pretty fast one, easy one. And, and you get, like I said, the consistency of a ricotta. So that, that's just the, the milk, vinegar, and you add some salt That's it. and I and you can buy oh. actual cheese salt, which I usually do. And I honestly, I don't know what the difference is between cheese. Maybe the cheese salt doesn't have the added iodine. I don't know, but I do buy cheese salt when I make cheese, especially for the mozzarella okay. and the ricottas. And wow, we have that, a that would be easy. Okay. Yeah. We'll go ahead and take the okay. call. All right, Roberta, you may unmute. This Hi, Roberta. Absolutely. Hi, this is absolutely awesome. I didn't know making cheese was such a pretty straightforward process. I, I So I have a question. Um, different flavors of cheese, you know, like you were talking about mozzarella, but, you know, there's a million kinds of cheeses. There's Parmesan, there's blue cheese, there's, you know, Havarti, there's this texture and that. Are those... Do you, are those made because you would use a different culture that you put in it? You or? would use a different culture, and those are aged cheeses. And okay. I don't do aged cheeses because to age cheeses, you need a certain temperature, and you, you could be looking at months or years of it sitting there. I don't have an, I don't have a place to age it, nor do I have the patience. Um, I would be too curious about what was happening. <laughs> so, um, so I don't do any um, aged cheeses, you know, like, yeah. And your aged cheeses tend to be your hard cheeses, like your Parmesan. So um, no, I have never tried. I tried one aged cheese and it really turned out pretty nasty. So. <laughs> and I, I think it, I think I didn't have, I think where I was keeping it was not cool enough. So it oh, was not, okay. it turned into, it was, it was turned into dog treats. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so the, the ricotta never even required a culture and the mozzarella was uh, citric acid and rennet. So not all even require a yeah. culture. And you, but okay. When you and you can make when you get um, the culture, with citric acid too. Okay. What, when you get what? the culture for um, the chef, does is it labeled as a chef culture or how do you it know is, which culture? Yeah, it, it is. I, I the company I buy it from has different cultures, and I buy their chef. They have a couple of different yogurt cultures. They have the creme fraiche culture they have some other ones that I've tried that oh there was one very similar process to the chef I think it was called a fromage blanc and it just I don't know I didn't like the texture it wasn't quite as smooth as a texture so I've just really stuck on the chef and you know I've taken it to a lot of parties I've given it as gifts and it's you know people seem to really like it hmm. um 
So, uh, there was a question in my head and off it went. Uh, uh, well, you are well, welcome uh, to raise your hand again when to... it re comes back. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be happy to any any time just pop in and out as, as it comes up. Um, so, Nella, we do have the list serves that you very kindly moderate the homesteading by touch list serve right would you be okay with posting the name of the company and maybe the yes. website that yes. would be awesome because i i think there will definitely be interest <laughs> in checking out this company and I, I will say that when I tried making yogurt before, I just got a culture off of Amazon from who knows, you know. And I'm wondering if part of making quality yogurt and cheese is, is getting the culture from a reputable source. It could be. Um, I like once I get the cultures, I store them in my refrigerator or freezer and I'm pretty sure at the company I get them from, they keep them refrigerated. So, you know, I don't know. I kind of wonder, like, if it's coming from Amazon, has it been sitting in a warehouse or something which might mm -hmm. affect it? So, I don't know. I, I, so I bought, I did buy some culture at, like, a health food store one time, and it seemed to work well for yogurt. And uh, but all of the cheese cultures I've purchased at this Cap Ryan Supply, that's, like, a website that, company everything goat you can buy anything goat related there that you can think of and things you've never thought of so hmm. yeah and and too, some of the organisms uh, yes they 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 are that's why some of the yogurt cultures that you buy will have different tartness will have uh yes. will part different flavor to your yogurt so it can be um important to read descriptions or to just um experiment and figure out what what you like best in in a yogurt, and uh, and when you find one you like, then stick with it. I'm wondering, Nella, if um, you can describe for us a, another um, uh, option on the simpler end of the the cheese um, and other products, make fermented products. Um, scale and that is kefir can you uh tell us about making kefir either with goat's milk or cow's milk or both so again i just purchased a culture to get from the same company i am personally not crazy about kefir so i did it a few times and i mostly used it in smoothies so it comes out um it's thinner than yogurt um, but, you know, it's a drink, um, pretty thick. Um, I can't think of a consistency. Would it be like a consistency of eggnog, would you say? Yeah, like a milkshake kind yeah, of. Yeah, kind of. Doesn't so, taste like one, though. Um, yeah, it has a pretty sharp taste. It's supposed to be really good for you. Oh, yeah, totally. And I did, like I said, I did use it um, in um, smoothies and for, like, summer, there's a frozen fruit and that type of thing in there. And it was quite good that way. Other than that, I didn't, you know, that's pretty much all I used it for. You could add like honey, vanilla, you can do some things like that. But again, it's pretty, I haven't made it in years. So, um, you know, again, you just get your milk to a certain temperature 
add the um, culture. And I cannot remember if you have to keep it at a certain temperature, like you do the yogurt. I don't think Not so. as strict, but you yeah. want it to be warm and you could do it, you know, and during cooler times, you could do it on a, a heating mat if it stayed on. Um, it's the sort of thing to experiment with how long it would take, depending on your heating situation in the summer you just set it on the counter and it'll do it itself i've done it with, uh, yeah. with just a container of kefir and using some of the kefir putting it in milk cow's milk and it makes more kefir right okay yeah i think what i did so i just I do, have to, I do have to ask does anyone actually like kefir oh, I, I do i you do Oh yeah, I drink it because it's good for me. <laughs> well, do you drink cow kefir or or goat kefir? Cow kefir. No, I like it. Yeah, that I but, I've never had cow kefir. I've had goat kefir, and I have to say, whoa, that stuff is strong. Yeah, it I, is yeah, I drink it. it. <laughs> yeah. It needs to be disguised. That's the only way I could use it was to disguise it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really stretches that goat lover in me. Uh, that it's quite a stretch. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Well, Sandra, do we have any hands raised? Is and I'm wondering if Roberta remembered her question or if we have. Any she did raise her hand, um, but she lowered it. Look, Roberta, did you remember your question? Sure. Um, I, I want to just want to have two questions. Um, where would I get citric acid or rennet? Can I buy, do I have to buy that from a specialty store or is that something some you could get at grocery? Some grocery stores have it. I have purchased it at grocery stores before. Okay. 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 And um, regarding yogurt, um, I actually have never used a, a yogurt quote unquote yogurt culture. I've always purchased um, plain unflavored, unsweetened plain yogurt from from the grocery and done exactly what somebody just said about the kefir. I take a spoonful yes. of that and you, you forget can. what we used to do it on yeah. the stovetop, but yeah. Um, and uh and and it's always it's always made yogurt, so. Yeah, you can do that. You have to be sure you're buying a yogurt with live culture. Right. Yes. And then like more, I think sometimes it tells you like the number of um, cultures in there. And like the higher the number, the better usually. So. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Roberta. Anybody else want to join in? If so, Sandra, just interrupt us and let us know. I will do that. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So I, so, I just want to um, give a couple. Oh, go ahead, Deborah. Oh go no, ahead. you go ahead. Okay, I just want to give a couple of tips on, um, you know, since I am milking my own goods and using that milk. Um, so things I do is, um, like the I feel like as soon as I milk it, I bring it in and it go. I put it. 
through these um, pads that are designed for straining goat milk. And it'll, you know, like if there's a speck of dust or a goat hair, you know, that kind of thing, it pick, it pulls that out. And then I put it in the freezer to, uh, I feel like the, the quicker I can cool it down, the better the taste I last longer. Um, the bad thing about that is occasionally I have forgotten and left my jars in the freezer and they cracked because they're glass jars. So, um, it's not good to be absent minded with that, but, um, but it does, um, you know, to get it really cold before you put it in the refrigerator, I, I really do think it helps the taste and, um, it lasts longer. And if you do choose to pasteurize it, the same thing, um, the faster you can cool it down, you know, you'll have a better flavor. Yeah, there is a lot of variation, especially in goat milk and handling is crucial for that. Um, I did have, a. am just going to throw this at you. I don't know if you have done this or if anybody listening has done this. Uh, I, Nella, I know you make soap, but do you also make lotion or have you ever made goat milk lotion? I have not. I've, um, I've only made the soaps. I've looked at a couple recipes and I've, I've never done it. So. Yeah, if anyone else there has done that, I'm really curious to know how you do that because um, I'm very fond of the stuff. And it's, again, it's kind of pricey. And I'm thinking there must be a way to make this and save some money. All right. Musi raised her hand. Okay. You may unmute. Uh uh, well, now I want to know when's the section going to be about making soap? <laughs> when's that topic coming up? I'm, um, well, I think we, we can go there if you want to. Are you okay with oh, that, no, Nella? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I did I one just, with the crafters before. I'm, I'm so thrilled. Making. I think um, uh, that goat milk, you know, is, is it's just so... Um, so many things you can do with it, you know. So anyway, besides drink it. <laughs> but um, what container do you put your homemade yogurt in to the re in the refrigerator? I I am really trying to get away from using plastic in my okay. home kitchen. So I use mason jars for a lot of stuff. And okay. I usually put it in mason jars. Very good. Thank you. Okay. No, I don't want to, you don't have, I'll continue. Um, I'll be content with continuing on the yogurt. I mean, but uh, soap is fascinating to me. It is. Thank and you. It's, a, it's very detailed and there, I mean, I, it's a thing that needs to be its own session because you are handling active life. So there is some risk involved. So mm -hmm. it's, if it's a discussion that I would want to spend a lot of time on and okay. tell people to really do their research and read mm -hmm. a lot before you try it. Thank you. It, yeah, it does involve the use of safety equipment, correct? <laughs> yeah, there is a, you know, definitely like safety glasses, you know, long sleeves. I mean, um, it's, it's, um, it's fun. I've done it, but I have to tell you, I got the stuff, the book I read over and over and I was just kind of 
so nervous about starting it. And then I just happened to be talking to a friend who is very crafty. And somehow she started talking about how she wanted to make soap. And she's like, I have all the supplies. I have the big, but I'm scared. And I'm like, so am I. (laughs) So we got together and we made the soap. And like the first two or three times we made it together. And then after that, we had the confidence to start um, making our own. And she has cited, and there are some steps that I think having a cited assistant the first time was good because you know, the books will say, you know, when your uh, mixture looks like this, do this. And so she was able to tell me when it was there visually. And then I was able to feel the consistency with my spoon to know where we were in the process. So I do think it really helped making it with her the first few times. You guys have nine minutes left. Okay, so we're we're kind of winding down in time, and we do want to make sure we end on time because uh, our streamer needs to do another call. So, um, Nella, is there anything about goat or cheese making that you want to add that that we didn't cover? Not really. I made most of the. Other than like cultures, you're probably going to have everything in your kitchen. If you have some big pots, you know, you do want a talking thermometer, but other than that, um, you know, you're, um, you probably have everything there in your kitchen. So you don't need a lot of equipment. You will want, you know, like some cheesecloth. I just, just want to quickly remind or just kind of point out that people who often have, um, issues um, digesting cow milk can frequently um, digest goat milk because again the the particles are smaller and easier to digest so sometimes people who might not be able to use um, goat or cow milk or cheese that type of thing often can digest the goat milk without difficulty so maybe I'm just biased but I just can't go on long enough about how wonderful the goat milk is and how many uses and how healthy it is yeah and everything you said today applies to you could use cow milk or goat milk correct yes yes Yes. all right well Nella it's been wonderful having you back and um you are in good company as far as the tough gardening year this year. I've been, that's certainly been true for a lot of us. Not March though. <laughs> See, Nella, really I have a question. Well. I have a question yes. for you. Um, you know, with, with uh, some other animals, there can be times of the year when uh, they don't produce as much milk. Do you find that that's true with goats as well. And what what's your sort of average, if you're milking one of your girls, um, how much will she give you? I'm, I'm very curious. So a lot that depends on so many things. I would say when they produce probably the least is when it's really hot, you know, cause they're, they're drinking a lot. And of course, goats that are in milk producing milk need to drink a lot of water anyway, but when it's hot, Um, So a lot of things can depend on the amount. My girls, my best milkers give a little over a gallon a day at the beginning. And then, you know, they will, as time goes on, give less. And um, I have heard of dairy goats giving as much as two gallons. I have personally never seen a goat do that. 
but I have, you know, I had one that would easily give, you know, somewhere between a gallon and a pint, a gallon and a quart a day in the beginning. And then, you know, evened off to a gallon for quite a while. So, I mean, it depends on a lot of things, genetics, the diet that they're, that they have, um, you know, the, of course, you know, if, if they're stressed, they might give a little less. Um, like I said, if it's super hot, um, maybe, you know. And you I, I have mean, Nubians. Yes. yes you I have, have Nubians, Nubians, which are kind of bigger goats. Yeah, they're the bigger dairy breed. Like if the Nigerians are the dwarf dairy breed, and they will give roughly like one third of the amount of a full-sized dairy goat. Mm-hmm. And I've I've heard people can milk a Nubian for uh, up to two years without rebreeding. Yes, yeah. so um, it's kind of like supply and demand. So you know, if you milk twice a day, you'll get more milk. If you you know, I usually at some point slack off to once a day, and you'll start getting less. And then if you feed less, milk less, maybe I've even like, I had one girl that was so determined to keep forever. She gave a quart of milk a day. And I'm just, I mean, I milked this goat for almost three years and like, you just need to stop. Wow. Okay? <laughs> so I felt really bad about it, but I actually really limited her water for a few days to get her because she just would not stop making milk. I'm like, okay, you've done your job. Take a break. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so there's, you know, taking them off of when I'm, when they're in milk, I'm giving them like alfalfa, hay. I'm giving them a dairy ration, you know, so they're getting a lot higher calories. So, you know, I just started cutting that out of her diet. And then I did really restrict her water for a few days because she just would not give it up. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And usually That's like, you know, your first time does like the first time they kid, they usually don't give quite as much milk as you know, your, your older does that you've bred two, three, four times, those, some of those girls, you know, will give a whole lot of milk. Well, thank you very much, Nella. And, uh, I really encourage people to join the homesteading by touch list. If you haven't already, uh, that link is in the announcement for the call. So definitely, uh, join us and uh, we can continue the conversation on the list. And uh, I also want to encourage people to join us next month. Uh, that will be on January 7th next month. We are going to talk about fragrant gardening, both indoor and outdoor gardening. And we would love to hear your insights questions. Um, And then in February, we have George coming back. Some people might remember him from the tomato call last year. And his wife, Sylvia, they are amazing gardeners. And they are going to talk about growing houseplants. I wanted to get them in in January, but they had another commitment. But they will come talk to us in February and uh, I'm hoping to get a poultry call in in March. I'm still working on that one. 
Um, but if anyone's out there and you're interested in being a guest, definitely contact us. And Marge, do you have any final thoughts? As, well, oh, before I hand it over to you, I do want to thank our streamer, Anthony. Thank you. And I want to thank our host, Sandra. Uh, I appreciate the volunteers who help us out with these calls. So, Marge, I'm going to hand it over to you and let you okay, take yes. it out. Thank you all very much. Thanks for those of you who've joined today. And please do suggest topics uh, for this program. We appreciate any suggestions you might have. And do join us next month on the second Saturday. <laughs>